0: You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN
1: 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Because of everything that's been going on in sports uh, over the last 24 hours, from the fun stuff to the serious stuff, we haven't really looked at the uh, Leafs losing 6-5 in a shootout to the Blues. And, Man, how close that could have been to a Leafs win, and it, it'll get lost because we'll focus on you know bad night for Samsonov, uh, a great night for Bunting and Nylander and Matthews. But on that shootout, Jordan Binnington shooting out the right leg to stop Rasmus Sandin. Yeah, it was a hell of a moment, and then and then you blink, and then Brady Shen with that quick high shot wins it. It's like wait a minute, like every it, it, it just. We always use, you know, game of inches and blah, 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 and all those cliches. But that clearly was part of the reason why the Leafs lost last night 6-5 to St. Louis.
0: Well, Matt, it wasn't all blue. Um,
1: oh, <laughs> shame on you. <laughs> I hope you don't feel good about yourself right no, now.
0: No, I don't. I, don't. I, hope no one,
1: I hope no one in that control room. I hope everyone's just giving you the evil eye.
0: I am filled with immense shame. But all three of our props hit yesterday. William hmm. Nylander, any time goal? William Nylander? Yep three shots on goal and yep. the over definitely hit the over. So there's one, one takeaway that we can, uh, we can smile about.
1: I like it. I like it. I like the silver lining. And when you look at Samson off the bigger picture, last four starts, he's given up five, three, four and five goals, save percentage of eight twenty one, eight forty two, eight and eight And the first goal, I know Marner was turned around uh, on that shorty, but, that one went five throw, you, uh, five hole. You got to make that save. The uh, the Cairo goal that made it three one in the second period. That, it's funny for that one. I go two ways, and part of it, like you always have to look at what did the other team do. Like on one level, bad rebound control by Samsonov, one hundred percent. He's playing the puck properly. It's a different result. But if you go back and look at that goal, it was elite. Elite passing by the St. Louis Blues on the power play, like they just the puck was smoking around by those guys. Yeah, there's so, some, something to keep them in mind.
0: Yeah, there's some really one thing I've noticed about modern hockey is that that some of the passing patterns that these teams play are so incredible. And you know, ho- hockey is one of those sports where you're always watching the puck. But one thing I noticed in last night's game is that the movement from both teams and the way that both teams pass, the way that both yeah. teams find space, was. Frankly, amazing, and I think um, that's something to watch out for. In, in, well, that in was Austin Matthews. Games. Oh
1: yeah, that was the that was the Austin Matthews goal. The telepathy yeah. between him and Nealander. Matthews coming down, it's like, oh wait, no, he throws it back to Nealander, and that was not an easy pass. And then Matthews, you know, he, he, I'm trying to think of like what's the equivalent in other sports. The the great receivers. The num- like one of the number one skills isn't necessarily speed or hands. It's your ability to create separation from the defensive back. Mm-hmm. Give your quarterback an easy target to throw the ball to. Well, that was Matthews, you know, where he threw it back to Nylander, and then Nylander found him, and Matthews is open. And everyone's like, oh, my God, why did St. Louis leave him open? Well, again, it depends how you want to view it. You can blame St. Louis, or it's credit to Matthews for getting – that open quick shot, high high ripper, and it's five four um, for St. Louis in that that crazy second period. Also, a great passing was Nylander. Oh yeah, the, the the pass to set up Matthews, the pass to set up Bunting on the goal that tied it at five. Like those are the positives. The negatives was Samsonoff and also you know um, Lilligren up and down. Uh, but like him and Giordano, when you go back and look at the four two goal and the five three goal, both of them. Defensemen need to do a uh, need to do a better job, but if if Bennington doesn't get that pad out on Sandine, then I think we're focusing more on how much fun uh, that game was than we are focusing on the negatives. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, so uh, a uh, but a, a hell of a game last night. I I, I teased it before. I want to play the sound from Nick Nurse and um, and the Raptors again take on the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's curious the. Raptors are like a one-point underdog. Now they're a four. Or, uh, now they're a four-point favorite, and Giannis is playing. This the bigger picture has to be. Milwaukee has been struggling. Milwaukee's one win in their last six games was last night against a bad Washington team, where it took uh, Giannis putting up 55 points. You know the odds are he's not getting that again. Hot take by me. And again, it's back to back for for Milwaukee. At least Toronto had a day off. But listen to Nick Nurse talking about the team's lack of defensive intensity.
2: It was about as bad as it could get, Tim. I mean, there was times when we'd make a free throw, and they'd throw ahead and dunk it down at the other end. Like plays that can happen—they can happen maybe once every seven years. Like seriously, you know, and like you know, so uh, we gotta we gotta get focused and connected, and and get serious about playing harder. They should um, get tired of this pretty soon and start playing.
1: Needs to be said, uh, when Nick Nurse said there, he was saying that early in the season. The first couple of games, he was already on the team. It just doesn't get as much attention as, you know, when Sheldon Keefe kind of intimates that the star, the elite players are got to play at an elite level. But that is, Nick Nurse is not holding back. He is no. not going gentle on the Raptors. Yeah. And I, that's obviously the poor performance against Indiana. And I, I'll cite back to the Memphis game where there were times when um, when even after a made shot by the Raptors, Memphis was getting back in three seconds of getting, uh, and getting layups. But, uh, oh, and that, um, that's about as honest as it gets from a coach.
0: Yeah, and I've seen, I watch a lot of the post-game availabilities, and it seems like those comments are becoming more and more common. And you kind of have to ask, what's the impact on that in the locker room? Um, I imagine some players respond well to that, and I imagine that some don't. But I think one in every seven years is an insane thing to say, and it's oddly specific. Um, I don't know why he he chose seven years on that one. Uh, There was a report that came out today. I don't know um, necessarily how reliable it is, but apparently Nick Nurse had individual meetings with players today... And some, not, not today, but maybe in the last couple of days, some players responded well, but some did not. And, you know, I imagine the locker room is starting to get a little bit of tense and the Raptors just have to start winning games. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. And there was another report that essentially said that a lot of other teams are waiting on the Toronto Raptors to make a decision at the trade deadline because they impact, on, they impact how a lot of other teams approach things. And essentially they're, they're going to be the first domino to fall.
1: That quote that, um, by, by Nick Nurse there, I thought about Masayu Ujiri. Mm-hmm. And I remember Dave Fetchuk and I were talking about it the other day, but for Nick Nurse to go that level of fire and brimstone, and he's done it a bunch already, you know, I, I'm thinking he probably has I, – I don't want to say he has permission. Nick Nurse is his own man. Nick Nurse is an incredible coach. Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the NBA. His journey to getting to where he is is a truly remarkable one. But when a coach uses that strong a language, usually means, at the very least, management is fine with it. And I'd say Nick Nurse went and said, hey, Messiah, can I say this? Do I have permission? I don't think that happened. But to be that uh, free and easy with your criticism of the team, usually that means you have the blessing from the front office to, again, go full fire and brimstone. And that was kind of one of my first thoughts when I uh, when uh, when I listened to that clip earlier today, um, wraps 11 and 14 against East, 10 and 11 against opponents uh, with a, with a winning record in the East. But overall, again, that stat, um, and I guess I don't know, that that might have changed now. But 25 games against teams with a 500 record or more, and they are 9 and 16. That's the number I was uh, uh, that's the number I was looking for. And if you want to go injuries, they've used 18 different starting lineups. That's the second most in the NBA, but every team has its injuries.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily on that 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 point. There are so many teams that have had injury issues this year. I mean, Bradley Beal constantly going down for the Wizards. Lamelo Ball has yep. missed time. Like you can go on and on. Anthony Davis has missed time. Like for me, that is not. That is not necessarily a point to harp on. And the biggest part of that is when Pascal Siakam went down, the Raptors weren't playing bad basketball. The Raptors were nope. essentially a 500 team when Pascal Siakam was injured. And one another point that I want to bring up is depth. And, you know, obviously not, Preci- Precious Achua is an important piece, but you can't be hanging your hat on Precious Achua going down. Um, the, the, no, no. If, if no you're,
1: yes, if your team is... De- like. You know, if it depends on having Otto Porter, then you've done a bad job constructing the team. If if that's the jenga block that ruins the game for the night, is not having uh, is 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 not having uh, Otto Porter in the lineup, and no one expected on in early January for Washington, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Pacers to all have a better record. Than the Raptors. Raptors are five games under 500. Same can be said about the Bulls. But the Raptors were that sexy team. They were that team that a lot of people were circling, saying, "Hey, the Raptors could be that dark horse that makes some real noise in the East." And it hasn't happened. I think that's part of the bummer here is that we went in with high expectations. Yeah. The Raptors would have to they'd have to, they have to go on a 59 win pace to match last year's record. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Howard Beck about it, uh, a great NBA writer. He'll join us at 3.30. We'll get back into the Raptors and the, uh, and the NBA as a whole. But on the other side, um, what's, what's uh, the bigger headline for you going into the World Juniors? Is it simply, hey, hey, it's Canada versus America? Or is it simply, I just want to see what Connor Bedard does? We'll get into that in a moment. I'm Matthew Koz. You are listening to Gameplay. All right. Oh, I should also before we go. Before we go, um, a, a, a shout out for the two or three people left in the first up football survivor pool at TSN1050.ca. Last person standing scores a free set of Rodex tires along with install at your local Cal Tire, as well as twenty five hundred bucks. In cash, TSN 1050's First Up Football Survivor Pool, sponsored by Rodex, an exclusive Cal Tire brand. Back to the World Juniors right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew because I've just learned something. A programming note. If Canada loses to the United States in the World Cup semifinals, which you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. If they lose and they play the bronze medal game tomorrow, that game would start at 230, which would mean there is no gameplay. So everyone listening right now, you know, uh, now more than ever, you got to root for Canada. It's not just for your country. It's not just for Bedard. It's not just for bragging rights. It's because who wants to be devoid of this chortling, you know, gas bag known as Matthew Carson gameplay? Then uh, we got a day off. And guess what? Thursday, day off? Nah. What am I going to do? It's raining here in Southern Ontario. What the, what the hell am I going to do? I could be, be just, like, sitting and, and prepping my, my stupid confidence picks for uh, the final week of the NFL season. Uh is this true Owen if 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 the United States somehow finds a way to win and if you go on FanDuel the odds are pretty pretty close we got no show on Friday or on Thursday
0: I can confirm that but yeah. I I was going to interrupt you but yeah. I let you cook on that monologue a little bit right. I think you said World Cup semifinal
1: No oh, World Juniors World the Juniors World Juniors, Juniors. Yeah, the world. The world, the world, cheers. An important, an important correction Very much by so. you. And yeah. I, I am always here for corrections. As I've been known to, I've been known to make a couple for here and there. Yeah. By the, by the way, I just speaking of the lines, like going off topic for a second. Um, I don't even know who the I was looking up who the quarterback who's going to be starting for the Arizona Cardinals as they just want to end the season as quickly as possible. They are on the road in San Fran. And there's no DeAndre Hopkins. He is out. And Cliff Kingsbury told reporters that David Blau will start in the finals. The 49ers are favored by two touchdowns. I have found, like, do you have the cowardly, because you're relatively new to the show, do you have the cowardly uh, bet sting anywhere around? Or the cause is cowardly bet? Because I am staring at maybe the, the the best coward or one of the best cowardly bets of the NFL season.
0: I am searching through here. Not either way, way, either way, it, it, is, it is it is 49ers.
1: A bet. 49ers are favored by on the money line at minus nine fifty. So if I wanted to win enough money to make to ride on the TTC, if I wanted to just get, um, if I wanted to just get enough to take the TTC that's $3.25 i would have to bet $30.98 and 97 cents $30.97 on the 49ers if they beat the cards i've got enough for one trip on the TTC
0: as a as a TTC rider for almost over a decade now I I can I can definitely appreciate that. But at that point, yeah. Matt, you're just you're just washing your money. You're just yeah. recycling your money at that point.
1: <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, back to the uh the world uh back to the world juniors. What for you, Owen? Well, go back to my opening thought, what if you use the bigger story? Is it it's Canada versus America, or is it simply I want to see what Bedard does?
0: I think after You can I
1: only pick one. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think after that quarterfinal game, it has to be the Connor Bedard story. And we all knew he was great. We all knew he was going to put up numbers, but he found he finally found his quote-unquote World Juniors moment. And other guys have had that, like Jordan Eberly. And but the fact that he finally had his World Junior moment, I think people might be looking for another one, and they just have to win this game in order for that moment to essentially live on, I guess. Um, but I I watch sports for those kind of moments. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Conor Bedard, but it adds the narrative. It adds the storyline if it does end up being Conor Bedard. And for me, that is the big story coming into
1: this one. There are four members of this Canadian team that were drafted inside the top ten of uh, the 2022 or 2021 draft. There are four. There are five other players who have been selected in the first round of the last two drafts. Basically, this entire team, players taken in, in the top 100. A lot of them, if they weren't drafted in the first round, you could bet they were drafted in the second. And yet the clear best player is 17 years old. That's insane.
0: Makes me feel old, like, like that I said
1: yesterday. He's he, He's overshadowing the Shane Wrights of the world. Something against Shane Wright. There's four guys taken in the top ten. Um, so that right there. The other side, if you're going to argue that still Canada versus America is the bigger story, it's always an easy one. It is, it is always an easy one. Revenge, when... Um, when they played in the bubble that actually occurred back in 2021, uh, uh, not the 2022 winter one, everything gets confusing. Canada lost uh, uh, the gold medal game. Trevor Zegers, goal and assist. Spencer Knight, incredible. States, blank Canada, 2 nothing. And we know that when these teams meet in the gold medal game, usually the United States wins. Also, Brand Clark came out and said it. We wanted to take on America. And he came and said we are a bigger and more physical team and we're going to be physical. And then the you know the other side were coming out basically saying bleep you we are big enough, we are strong enough, uh we will be able to uh to be able to counter whatever Canada throws our way. You've got Adam Fantilli started in the top 6 now on the fourth line. I'm curious to see if he pops. This is a guy who could be drafted number 2 overall behind Connor Bedard. On the American side, Logan Cooley, if um If Bedard wasn't here, he might be the number one story. 18 years old, he's second in goals and points uh, behind Bedard. You know, Uh, and I think I was asked, uh, I was doing this interview for, uh, with like um, uh, the uh, website of like the New York Post and like sports, uh, one of the local sports stations in New York, about how does the United States, how do they slow down Bedard? It might just come down to Trey Augustine, who's one of the top prospects, the goalkeeper for America. And just what can he do? You know, what can he do? So those are the, uh, like, there's so many different things. And then the fun one, finding out that Thomas Milich's mom was hiding during the game in Slovakia, that she sat higher and she wanted to avoid being on the t- on TV. If milich comes up with a big save early on, I want to see, the, the, uh, do our camera guys, can they do a Where's Waldo and find his mom?
0: I would. I would love to have the producer just have one camera, yeah. Probably like a robo cam, just trying to keep track of where which his mom is for the whole game. I can, I can yeah. just imagine that. <laughs>
1: that would be just uh, yeah, and awkward and mean. Hey, oh, let's yeah. hear from P, let's hear from Pierre LeBrun talking about uh, Connor Bedard's impact on uh, on NHL teams.
0: Yeah, what I would tell you is that Connor Bedard's unbelievable World Juniors had certainly fortified what a lot of teams already thought. Those teams are in the bottom of the standings. That this guy is super special, and that if these teams were already going to move a certain player, some rental players. Why not try to get to it sooner rather than later to fortify those draft lottery chances? And so, you know, those are the conversations I think they are going to happen here in short order. Now, it's one thing for teams in the bottom third of the standings to want to make those trades. It's another to have the buyers being ready to make that type of deal so early out from March 3rd, especially given the lack of cap space around the NHL. But believe me, those conversations
1: are happening. What I'm fascinated about is not about what Columbus or Chicago or Anaheim are going to do. I mean, those are the teams with 24 points or fewer. For them, it's all about, hey, let's develop the young guys. And Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tate, what the hell are you still doing here? Get out of here. You're injured. Go hang out with Johnny Goudreau. We'll, we'll, We'll put you on a beach somewhere. You can play golf. You're a hockey player. You love golfing. What about, like, Philly? 35 points. Montreal, 33 points. Arizona, San Jose, you know, uh are we far off from Vancouver? You know, there's a lot of teams out there that I wonder that were trying to go for a wild card. How many of them pivot from wild card to Connor Bedard? And for a second Owen, I was gonna try to do from wild card to Bedard. But then I thought better of it because I'm a professional radio broadcaster. And yeah. cheesy.
0: That was almost as bad as my uh, my slash my yeah. blues one. Um, yeah. Let me know if bad. you feel this way. This is kind of like a crazy sports thought that I have. All right. When you see a player that's about to enter the league, are there like certain teams or certain jerseys that you can imagine them in more than others?
1: ah mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll say right now, San Jose, I've never once imagined a player <laughs> in a San Jose jersey. You're not like, wrong. You're not wrong. Never once. Like, Joel Pavelski's kid. I'm like, ah, I can't really picture him in a, in a San Jose Sharks jersey. I'm sorry, San Jose. No. No. Um, I just hope I don't see Bedard in a Montreal jersey. That's, yeah, the, na- yeah. that's the number there's,
0: one. There's, yeah. there's two that jump out to me right now, and it's the Flyers and the Blackhawks. I could really see him. Oh, yes. And to me, he, oh, yeah. he really fits that, that Patty Kane mold. And there have been comparisons yeah. all over the place, but Patty Kane is the player that he reminds me of the yeah. most. And, you know, even if Taves and Kane decide to stick around, might, might not be the, the worst mentors to have.
1: Nope, absolutely not. On the other side, Howard Beck, senior NBA writer of Sports Illustrated. We're going to talk about is he as confused with the Raptors as we are, and will the Brooklyn Nets ever lose again? We will do that in just a moment. And Before that, we'll get to traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit JanPro.ca today. Time now for traffic. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew because And as always, this show on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel, which I've been checking out for some of the bets for the uh, for the World Junior Semifinals, bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And yes, uh, Canada getting set to take on the United States in the World Juniors. Bajard has registered the most most goals and points uh, by a Canadian at the tournament. But switching back to the NBA, I always love when you get a chance to talk to Howard Beck, been reading his work since with the New York Times and the Bleacher Report, now senior writer with Sports Illustrated. Howard, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, are you as. And, I mean, obviously your relationship with the Raptors is going to be different than mine. You look at the NBA as a whole. We're obviously more hyper-focused on the local team. Um, the Raptors, are you as confused by them as as I am about their record this year compared to what the expectations were?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think most people around the NBA are, um, whether it's media or, or, you know, personnel around the NBA, everybody, you know, had great respect for not just the organization, uh, but the 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 way that team came together last year and the way some of the youth was blossoming and obviously, you know, a rookie of the year season from Scotty Barnes and just this nice collection of players that, um, you know, no one North star, but, you know, no, you know, no, no, Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Steph Curry or, or whatever to, to lead you, but a great ensemble that worked really well together. And I think everybody expected that, this season would bring the same and some internal growth and maybe Scotty Barnes making another leap and maybe him becoming, um, that North star. And, you know, it, it, I don't, I don't think anybody anticipated this is where they would be. Um, and least of all the Raptors. And I do think it's confusing. And I usually say this with NBA teams. If, if a team has high level talents on paper or, just a really nice depth of talent, in which, which I think is more the case in the Raptors' uh, situation, and they're underperforming, it usually leads me to believe there's a chemistry problem. I'm not reporting that. I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying yeah. I know this. I'm saying that is, that is usually what the problem is. If you, if you have the requisite talent to be at least a 500 or better team, um, and I think they were better than that, and you're not getting there, I mean, health can be another issue. Sometimes there are injuries that, that we don't find out about until after a season, and you find out, like, oh, yeah, this guy's been playing the whole time uh, without any cartilage in his knee or something. And you find out later, like, oh, well, that's why he shot, you know, 60 points less than his, his usual field goal percentage. Um, unless it's a health thing that we don't know about, then usually it's chemistry. And I suspect that it's that.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny. When you have this level of confusion – for a team that has this talent that won forty eight games last year, was slated or you know the odds were them were about forty six and a half. And they haven't had that devastating injury. And for them to have a worse record than the Pacers, the Knicks, and the, than the Washington Wizards, absolutely chemistry is something that has to be that has to be examined. And yes, you're not saying that uh, Siakam and Ojan and are fist fighting, but, you know, it, it it certainly would make a lot of sense if that's what's going on. And I, I wonder, they've got a six-game stand. There's 19 games until the trade deadline. I'm curious, and I imagine a lot of other NBA observers are as well, is just do the Raptors do anything of any real significance at the trade deadline? Um, great report by,
2: uh, as you guys know him well, Michael Grange, uh, yep. that I think was this morning where he had an anonymous uh, NBA source saying, that the Raptors are kind of the key to the trade season, that they're the first domino to fall and that'll unlock it. I'm always skeptical that any one team controls the market that way, but I do think the Raptors are among the teams that are of of most intrigue in this whole discussion, because if they decide it's time to pivot, if they decide that they would actually make, you know, major names available that could kickstart the whole trade season. And, you know, it would also signal to other teams that if you're in their range, you, you might go, oh, well, if the Raptors are pulling the plug on the season, maybe we can be the one to, maybe we can leapfrog them. Or maybe that's one less team we need to worry about jockeying for playoff or play-in position. Um, it may just help clarify for other teams, and maybe it sets the market for this cycle. Uh, so I can see that. Um, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really tough decision to make. And there's, yeah. most, of the, most of the league feels like they're still in contention for something. Playoff, play-in, whatever. There's only a handful of teams in the two conferences that are truly, truly out of it and, and, and could be considered sellers. And so we, we just don't have enough sellers right now. And if teams like Toronto or Chicago or a couple others decide to you know, pivot toward rebuild or, or on-the-fly retooling, however you want to frame it, then then that's where the activity will start to kick up.
1: You know what, going off topic for a second, you mentioned there's not enough sellers. Considering all the video that we've watched of Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, i got to tell you, I was expecting a lot more sellers. I am very angry at Utah and and, and a variety of other teams uh, for doing all the winning that they've done this year. I'm I'm surprised. I thought there was going to be more tanking. I mean, God bless Houston and Detroit and Charlotte, but I was expecting more. Um, so there's time
2: yet for that, and it will probably happen. Um, I think, you know, look, teams are prideful. Owners want to make the playoffs. They want the prestige of making the playoffs. They want the extra gate receipts of making the playoffs. And so if you think you've got a shot, um, even if, you know, your, your GM comes to you and says, listen, we should sit out this season. We should be in the, in the sweepstakes. And, and the owner's going to come back and say, "All right, well, what are our odds? Well, if we're the worst team in the league, we have fourteen percent chance of the top pick. No, what if yeah. we're the second worst team? Fourteen. What if they were third worst team? Fourteen. Well, what if we're fourth? And and this is this is why the new lottery odds that they instituted a few years back have been so effective because you're weighing, you know, a greater than eighty percent chance of not being in the top three versus I might have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah." And, and and my fans would really think I'm uh, you know they'll they'll like me better if we make the playoffs. <laughs> they'll 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 see that we're making progress and you know like it, 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 it's it's this is all kind of a it's partially a financial thing but it's a psychological game too. And so you know cr- again credit to the league for changing the lottery odds because I really think that it has had an impact um, on on tampering tam- tampering, tampering, down, tampering is deprive, <laughs> tamping down tampering's <laughs> a whole the problem Tamping down. Camping down the tanking. But that said, the one caution I would I would raise here is it's early January, and teams are going to start to, to make the hard decisions in the, in the weeks to come. And tanking can take on all kinds of forms. It can mean selling off your veterans or the players who are causing you to win too much. It could also be, as you get into March, shutting guys down with minor injuries and saying, oh, we're playing the kids, we're developing the youth, blah, 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 or we're, we're playing for next year. And that's when most of the tanking happens. There's planned tanking where you're just starting the season knowing you don't plan to be competitive or you pull the plug really early. And then there's the we, we, we held on as long as we could, and now we're playing for lottery balls. Um, so some of that could still happen.
1: Yeah, oh no, and, and you know what, and, and that last question, And you're right about the psychology, and it's something that you have to remember is that GMs and owners are people too, and at some point they just want to win because, hey, we all have an ego, and maybe I'm just bitter because I may or may not have put $10 on the under for about seven teams, and I think I might hit on just one of them. Um, Howard Beck has joined us, senior writer from Sports Illustrated covering all things NBA. Uh, Howard, will the Brooklyn Nets lose again this year?
2: Uh, pretty safe bet that they will, um, even even a good possibility that they lose a bunch. Uh, you know, this is a team that, on paper, we all thought championship caliber, championship-level talent, but, you know, uh, they, they also had the highest level of volatility and unpredictability yeah. of, of anybody. And so, you know, right now they're on a roll. Credit to them for being on a roll. Uh, Kyrie Irving has... Um, just played basketball at a really high level and not caused disruptions with any of his other nonsense, um, for a good, you know, whatever month and a half, two months here. So credit to Kyrie for, you know, not throwing everything off kilter as he normally does. There's a lot of season left and both, you know, they're two best players Kyrie and Kevin Durant both have substantial injury histories, especially in recent years. And history tells us that at some point one or both are going to miss a chunk of games. And, you know, it's not to say you hope that happens or root for that to happen. No one's wishing that, but it, it's just kind of an inevitability, especially with Durant did all the miles on him and being an Achilles patient. So, yeah. um, you know, there's going to there's gonna be some more tumult of some form for them at some point, and we'll see how they handle it. Uh, but, yeah, like right now, <laughs> right now they look like title contenders. Right now they look like they can challenge the Bucks and the Celtics as best team in the East. But, uh, again, a lot of season left to play.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But Yeah, just winning 12 in a row, and Kyrie hasn't taken over for Elon at Twitter, which, you know, I'm going to lose money on. I, I, I bet him he was going to be the new CEO. Um, I'll leave you with this just because the Raptors are taking on the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, and Giannis was incredible last night, that win against Washington. And, Howard, you, I, I give you to reserve the right to change your opinion at the end of this interview or at the end of the week. Right now, who in your mind who's playing the best basketball? Giannis, Luca, Jokic, Durant, and Bede. Uh You can pick one guy, and again reserve the right to to flip flop at a moment's notice. But at three forty-two Eastern Time, who do you got? Whew,
2: man! Um, I mean, for this week, I just picked Donovan Mitchell, just because that that sure. game was incredible. Um, but you know, for the for, over the course of the season, you know, season to date. Um, you know, this goes to the MVP who's leading the, the the race argument. You know, it could change by the week. I mean, I think Jokic has the best overall um, performance so far, game to game, night to night, um, and and the just his, his efficiency stats, his field goal percentages are just ridiculous. Um, but you know, you this the answer changes depend on on how we do this, right? Like, there's the MVP yeah. question, then there's the who's the best player in the world question, and then there's the who would you want to win one game question. Like, I mean. LeBron's playing at an incredible level right now, again, at age 38 and year 20. So, um, you know, we should, we should all just be thankful there is an incredible array of, of elite talent right now in the NBA, and, and every night something special seems like is going to happen.
1: Yep. Oh, no, bigger picture, you, you are 100% right that there's so many different answers to that. By the way, should we mention about Mitchell? He had, a, he had like 11 assists. That, to me, is maybe the greatest part. Like when Kobe had the 81-point night, he had like three assists. How did Mitchell yeah. get 11 assists as well in that game?
2: I actually uh, did this search the other day after that game uh, using, you know, basketball reference and their tools, which are always great. And I wanted to see, like, out of all the 70-point games, who had the most assists? Well, it was Mitchell by far. Nobody else even came close. Like I, So, yeah, Kobe was like two or three. And Wilt Chamberlain would have, like, a couple. Um, you know, David Robinson maybe had zero. Like, like they're <laughs> – it was, it was the best thing about that game, Donovan Mitchell's 71, was not just the fact that there was all those assists, which was great, but even if you watched it just shot by shot, he wasn't like forcing it. He wasn't chasing a total. Yeah. Like it was all what was necessary to win the game, and it was all pretty much in the flow of the game. Like, it was a very unselfish version of that, and I think that that's not always been the case uh, when guys are going for those gaudy numbers.
1: And when Devin Booker got 70, hey, he had six assists, but they lost to the Celtics by 10, and he took 40 of Phoenix's 86 shots. Uh, but uh, when you look at the rest of the, the roster on that night, it makes, it makes sense. Uh, Barbosa was number two. Hey, Howard, really appreciate always, Always love reading your work. Follow him on Twitter, at Howard Beck. Read him at Sports Illustrated. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That is Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. All right, on the other side, we got sound of the day. Couple of different options to pick from, and we'll get into that right after traffic. Welcome back, everyone. Reminder, programming note. It is Canada versus the United States. World Juniors semi-final action going on today, and because of that, I am sacrificing. I am sacrificing for the rest of this day. I will not have one glass of California Chardonnay. I will not have one glass of Oregon Pinot Noir, nor a Washington State Syrah or a New York State uh, Riesling. None of it, because I'm not going to watch any uh, no, no movies with Tom Hanks. I am boycotting America today because I am what they call a hero. This is what I call sacrifice. But really, I'm doing that. You're
0: really taking one for the team here, Matt.
1: That's right. Thank you. Thank you. I am. That is, that is exactly what I'm doing. Is, and now it's just a, I, I, I would make the joke, like, oh, let's see what Canadian wine I'm going to open. But I'm doing hits with CP24 before the game, but then right after the yeah. game. So I kind of have to, uh, I kind of got to avoid all the booze. So uh, I I got to go in. Yeah, yeah, I I think it is. No one ever wants, never do live TV drunk. Just bad things are uh, usually going to happen. In the middle of breaking down the penalty kill, I'll, I'll start ranking my favorite religions. Anyway, we do it at the end of each and every show. Time now for Sound of the Day. You know we don't want to say it, but that's the game we wanted. You know we wanted we wanted to play them. We wanted that atmosphere. We know the crowd's just gonna. The crowd's been phenomenal all the way through, but we know they're gonna be at a whole other level tomorrow night, and uh, we can't wait for it. You know we've been watching uh, film. You know they don't like uh, they don't like the physical play, and when we're playing our best game, you know we're getting to the front of the net. We're being physical. We're boxing out, and uh, I think that's what we need to do. You know they have a lot a lot of skill over there, and uh, they have a lot of guys that you know if you're not on your game, they can they can burn you. So uh, you know we're gonna be ready for it. We're gonna be finishing our checks, and uh, I think that's what's gonna be uh, beneficiary for us. That came from one of the uh, first-round picks, Brent Clark, I think one of the top ten. Um, and that was him talking about the game today against the United States. And I love the fact that he was just honest about it, just honest about it, saying, yeah, that's who we wanted to play. He could have gone with the whole, you know, hey, you know, it doesn't matter, we're just here to compete, and it's going to be a great game. It's like, no, we wanted to take on the United States. And and then he says they don't like the physical play when we're playing our best game, we're getting in front of the net and being physical. He came out and said that. The state's captain, Luke Hughes, said, we got big boys up front. We're a pretty tough group, and we're really mentally tough, too. So I don't know. He can say what he wants. I love that from the eighth overall pick of the 2021 draft for the Kings, Brand Clark. It is going to be a fantastic game. And again, a reminder, a reminder, if Canada somehow lost this game, there would be no gameplay, no gameplay, because we would be taking the bronze medal game that Canada would be in. Uh, Owen, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being how scared you are when you couldn't find the sting for Ooh. sound of the day, 1 being no fear at all, what is your mood for Canada versus the United States?
0: I think we're at a solid...
1: Wait a minute. Where did, why did that suddenly start playing? Did someone do that to you?
0: I have no idea. I genuinely Are there ghosts? have no idea.
1: Are there ghosts in the machine?
0: I I don't know that was not coming from our from our production computer. <laughs> I'm looking at our other producers here and they're just yeah, as everyone's, confused everyone's as like, me. "I don't
1: know. It's like it's your fault." Uh, but like hey, listen, just from a betting perspective, you know, Canada is now about a fan duel. They're now favored by a goal and a half. It was down to a half goal, so there is a bunch of money that is starting to pour in, I guess, on Canada, and you can see that on FanDuel, but uh, I'm not betting on this game. As I said, the one bet, we talked about it, will there be an overtime? That's going in at around plus 360, so maybe keep that in mind as a fun bet, but as we said, wait till near the end of the first period before placing it. That'll do it for me. Overdrive Hayes and Jamie. They're coming up next. Then, um, you know, the puck drop just after six thirty, the United States. Gameplay on TSN ten fifty was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive right after traffic.